you're listening to Four at the Back, and we're off to Euro 2020. Once again, to all our regular listeners, and if this is your first time finding us, welcome to Four at the Back. We are a threesome once again tonight. Neil is back, having served his suspension last week, but we've lost Maz. Uh, we've got a lot to cover, so we're going to go straight in. I think probably the best place to pick this up is with Group F, because we have two rounds of fixtures to talk about in that one. Uh, since the last time we were talking to you, we had the... Germans looked pretty good against Portugal, and then they made very, very hard work of it against Hungary, and it looked for a long time like they weren't going to make it through until they threw every attacking player that they had on. And the French only managed to draw with Hungary before drawing again with with Portugal as a result of what were some pretty interesting penalty decisions. So, yeah, gents, let's let's start with Group F, the the group of uh, of death, as it was, and perhaps maybe the group of Desmond, as it ended up being. (laughs) I mean, it was pretty bizarre, I think, that Portugal played a game against Germany where they knew very well they were going to play 3-4-3 and then chose not to defend the wide areas. I feel like that may have been a questionable strategy. So Germany were very, very good in that game. But at the same time, the the Portuguese defending in the wide areas, like Semedo in particular, was absolutely abysmal. Just chose not to bother picking Gozens up, which wasn't a terribly good idea. I think my main conclusion really is that there are no good teams in this tournament. Uh, I think the year delay and the strangeness of club football in that time means that on any given day, I think almost anything can happen. I mean, Hungary's competitiveness in that group, I think in a lot of ways, is a, a product of even national teams full of stars that actually don't look terribly cohesive. Portugal dropped Bruno Fernandes uh, for the final game and looked a lot better for having dropped a player that's been you know, one of the form players in Europe for the last 12 months. But he looks knackered. He looks absolutely exhausted, like Solskjaer plays him every game. So bit of a, a bit of a strange one. The Portugal-France game was a bit odd. Pogba was the only player that looked like he knew what he was doing in the whole game. Um, Benzema, you know, finished his chance. But yeah, I mean, France just looked quite stodgy, you know, and because they've got that defence, it almost doesn't, matter because they've got the attacking players that they'll score at least once but I feel like and and Graham Souness won't thank me for saying so but I feel like they'll be relying on Pogba to get you know to the business end of this it's funny because I think you've seen from probably all all three of those sort of big hitters in that group what they're capable of both good and bad Germany they they labored in two of the games didn't they I mean they, they didn't look like the better team against France uh, they didn't look the better team against Hungary, to be fair. They turned on against Portugal. But, you know, they've all got through. And they've all got through having played 
pretty poorly at times. I mean, uh, I think Hungary were unlucky not to go through, if I'm honest. I think it's worth mentioning how good they've been in this tournament, considering they only picked up two points. But they were they were great. Really, really kept it interesting as well, right to the very end. You know, particularly in that France game, I thought Hungary were fantastic in that game. Like, they were organised. They were. They were. They, they soaked up an awful lot of pressure, and you. You just. They, they knew what they were doing. Like what happened in both of those games against Germany and against France, they weren't mistakes. Like they. They were. They. So, they knew they were going to come under pressure. They were organised, and then they were good on the break. And in fact, it was only sort of five minutes against Portugal, and if they'd managed to hold it together against Portugal, they'd have, they'd have been going through and, you know, one of one of those teams would have been would have been out. Yeah, it's uh, it's one of those situations where I, you go into it knowing you're going to have to play somebody from this group in the, the second round as an England supporter. And even though England haven't been blistering and, and inspiring, by the end of the third run of these games, you start, you were starting to think, I'm not sure I actually fear any of these teams anymore. And playing Hungary might have been just as bad in its own way as the, you know, ending up with the the game against Germany. Now we also saw in the Portugal game the the good side of Germany, and we know they're still capable of it. So it's a weird one. I mean, I don't think England will be writing themselves off necessarily on the strength of what we've seen in Group F, but at the same time they won't be overly cocky or overconfident either because every team as you say has shown something already uh, given that's the the kind of segue i've just made though that we've brought in it brought in the second round maybe that's a good point to kind of transition actually into thinking about england unless anyone has anything to to add about last round of games in group f because we do will be playing germany on tuesday at five o'clock uk time in at wembley it'd be the first time we've played uh, germany at wembley in a major competition for some time probably since euro 96 i would have thought and um yeah england were better first half against the czech republic but very very stodgy again after the break uh, do you know what i i think how bad we were against scotland has masked that we were still fairly bad against the czech republic we were better. It was it was it was a marked improvement. Kane was in the game more. He even had a really good opportunity to score. Perhaps should have scored. Still, a fair way off the performance we, you'd want to see. But at the same time, we're still in the tournament. For one, we've won the group. We haven't conceded. There are some players who can only get better. So you know, it's I guess at this stage, it's just. Having seen how close teams like Portugal and Germany came to going out of the tournament, we've never looked in danger of going out, um, and that's perhaps the sort of the one positive that um, that I take. You know, and having watched England in in major championships for the last sort of twenty five years or so, I, I, I'm struggling to think of a time when we've sort of effectively cruised through a group like that. It's interesting. I, you know, I think the Croatia game. That the first 20 minutes, they were very, very good. And after that, they kind of looked comfortable after the goal. But if the goal hasn't come when it did, I think that probably would have been a nil-nil. Scotland's, uh, I wasn't on last week's show, so I'm not quite sure what was said, but it was pretty bad. And then, I, yeah, the Czech Republic, again, very good for 20 minutes. They, for 20 minutes, Saka, Grealish, flying around the place, looking absolutely brilliant. You know, it looked like Phillips and Rice had woken up again as well. Luke Shaw was very, very good down the left-hand side. 
and then they retreated into themselves and and you know that might have been a, a conscious thing you know you know that you got a lot of hard yards to go so you conserve your energy you see the game out and that's all very sensible and then you look at the way the dutch play and you kind of just get a bit envious because like you kind of think england could play like that if they wanted to and it's it's a bit frustrating and i think the reason why the dutch and the italians are sort of standing out as being the teams that everybody wants to actually watch play is because they're they're gambling a little bit and it's a bit retro, <laughs> and I quite, you know, I, I, I enjoy it for that. We don't know what our best team is, and I think we, we're not quite sure what style we're going to adopt going into each into each game. It seems to sort of change depending on who you're coming up against, which is fine. Like you, you know, sometimes you need to sort of tweak your the tactical approach to certain games. But I'm not sure we've got much of an identity when you, and when you look at team, you know. The Netherlands, uh, they will play the way they play, and they, they've won three games. We imagine at some point they're going to come unstuck, but it's going to be a lot of fun when they do. Um, Italy have got a clear identity, and they've got a clear idea of how, how they're going to play. It doesn't really matter which players play. They've all been picked to do a certain job. I don't think Southgate has that luxury of knowing what system he's playing, and you know, he's, he's sort of brought players in, brought players, some of them are unknown quantities, like Saka, we didn't really know what we're going to get out of Saka at this level. Luckily, he's come in, he's, he played brilliantly. He was, he was yeah. one of the few, he was one of the few sort of really bright sparks of this tournament. My concern now is that they'll drop him. Yeah, exactly. They'll drop him and Greenish, I think, for the next game. They'll, I they'll mean, bring Foden and Mount back and neither of them have been, you know, they've had their moment, but they've, they've not affected a game in the same way that, that Saka did. But the reason for that is that the Czech Republic were a lot more positive than anyone England have played so far. And again, probably a lot more positive than England have, have generally been so far. So there was so much more space. So Grealish and Saka were both able to turn and run at. It, it run into space and run at the, you'd, the defence. I'd like to think there will be that opportunity against Germany because, you know, either... Yeah, they play very high. Go- they play very high. going to leave some space. And yeah. if you, you know, you've got that pace, and Mats Hummels is one of the slowest players in this tournament. Yeah, no, um, but the point that I was, I was just making is that that isn't an opportunity that was afforded to anybody else. So on the one hand, it's, it's, it could be something the others will do. They haven't had the opportunity to yet. But I don't think anyone will do it as well as Saka. Truth be told, Grealish didn't do it as well as Saka because they just have different skill sets. He's a different and, player, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he exactly. was, he was, he was. Pop- but the thing about Grealish again is that he affects the game. He mm. shows up in pockets. You know, he demands the ball. I saw a great interview with with Mourinho, which was translated from Portuguese, where. I mean, I guess he's been on Portuguese TV as a pundit. And he said that Grealish reminds him of Figo, was what he said, which is mm. high praise indeed. And he was sort of saying that the reason is he's, he's brave, he demands the ball, he isn't phased by losing the ball, he wants it back again, he makes things happen. And that's absolutely true. And I think the reason why there's such a clamour for Grealish to be in the team is that even if all he does is run down the blind alley, he's going to win you a foul. And I don't think you can say that about Sterling or Rashford. He's very, he, he likes to be sort of in and around the box and he, and he likes to sort of surge into the box because it makes defenders make a decision. Are they going to go, are they going to go in for him or are they going to give him some space? And I, I'm, and the quality of the passing. Lacking. Yeah. The quality he, of the passing as well. He, that, that cross for Sterling was not an easy, not an easy ball to play. And I, I just feel like, for me, I mean, Joe, you were talking about the bravery and the lack of lack thereof. 
what really needs to happen is either Foden or Grealish or Mount needs to play where Phillips is playing. Yeah. So, mm. you know, what you need to play, and he won't be brave enough to do this. If he's not brave enough to do it against Scotland, he's not going to do it against Germany. But, but you need either Foden or Grealish to play as that number eight. If you're obsessed with having Mount as your 10 because you like the way he presses, fine. But he needs a number eight that's going to give you something, you know, creatively, offensively. You look at Germany, you know, they've got Goretzka, you know, they've got Gundogan, they've got Kroos. Like, they, they're not playing out-and-out defensive midfield players in there. You know, Kimmich is the the best all round, one of the best all-round midfielders in, in, in the world, and he's playing right wing back for them because, you know, he can affect the game from there with his crossing. So it, it's kind of England just need to be a lot braver. And I think it, Southgate is very, very safety first. And it, you're mm. all right. You might George Graham your way to the final. But at some point, you're going to play a good team and you're going to need to create something. Yeah, I mean, this is kind of to jump in what you're saying is I was a little surprised to hear say that you didn't think England had an identity because based on the three group games, I think they've got a very clear identity. They're cautious and they're trying to win games 1-0. And all three of the games basically had that in common. And the difference with the Scotland game is they didn't execute. That, to me, is England's identity. And the problem I have is that I saw England try and do that quite a lot in the Svenja and Eriksson years when they had two of the best centre-halves. Well, more than that. you know, They had some of the best defenders in Europe and they always got found out. Now we don't have any of the best defenders in Europe. <laughs> We're going to get found out. England will have to change in the knockout stages if they're going to go through. I just hope they start with Germany because otherwise I can see I can see them getting turned over, even though Germany haven't been particularly impressive if they try and get a goal and sit on it. I mean, it's, I think what will happen is Southgate, having played a lot of 3-4-3 in the qualifiers and the friendlers, I think he'll match the system. So I think Southgate will go to a back three. He'll bring either Mings or Walker in. He'll go and he'll match up and he'll probably, because he's, he seems to be doing horses for courses, doesn't he? So I wouldn't be surprised if Trippier comes in on the right to play wing back, which is a position he's played, you know, quite often for Atleti and, and for Spurs, actually. And then he might go to Chilwell, who plays that for Chelsea. It feels like he's going very horses for courses. Um, you could be really bold and play Saka as a right wing back if you were feeling brave i don't think southgate's brave enough to do that but it'd be a a fun thing to see but yeah i i I do think that he is he's almost doing that kind of you know very reactive thing where you just counter what the opposition does that Mourinho is best used to do and i don't think southgate's in that league of 2004 five Mourinho. but it's also the kind of thing that that a coach with no real identity tends to do because he doesn't think that his team is capable of of imposing themselves on the opposition. So all he's going to try and do is match up to what they do and hope we nick one. I don't even think it's hoping that we nick one. I think it's almost, based on what we've seen, it's almost a we can defend well enough to keep this out rather than it's an overly cost. If anything, I think he might have too much faith in the set, in the system and the defenders, and that might be what ends up getting found out. Yeah, I, I, I suppose it's, it, it, it might. You know, if, if Kane had been 
somewhat sharper than he has been, then perhaps you know, we, we wouldn't be having this conversation because we might have had it. We might have been able to carve out a few more opportunities. But mm. I, I think we've not had that many ideas, which is why we've been clamouring for us or flair players like Grealish, like Saka, like Sancho uh, to get involved in the tournament and actually you know, create something. Because mm. Kane, who I, I assume in that system, he, he is hoping will be his main creative force, isn't doing much. I think the problem is is that you know is it is it Spurs and to a degree England and Southgate have been built around Kane's ability to drop into midfield. The problem with that now is that you've got Mount and Foden and and Greece if he plays that like to drop into the same area. This is the reason that Sterling has kept his place and you know scored the uh, scored the England goal so far is that when Kane decides to drop deep you know, the natural instinct of, of phone and melt is also to drop deep. And the reason why Sterling and Saka looks particularly effective is because that's not their game. Sterling likes to stay wide. And then when no one's noticing, he goes in at the back post and he gets a tap in. That's, his, that's what he does for City all day long. And Saka for Arsenal, again, he keeps the width. And that's why it looks a little bit different. I feel like because Kane and, and Mount, they don't play for the same club size, they're going into the same areas and they're trying to do the same thing. And what Mount mm. isn't doing is he's not going beyond Kane. So if Kane drops, really, Mount needs to go. And and that's what's not been happening. And so, this, so for example, if Kane is playing with Son or if he's playing with Bergvine or any one of those wide attackers with Spurs... Or, you know, the box of box midfield to be that low Celso or in Dombele or whoever. If Kane drops, they go it, they bomb on. Uh, and that's what England aren't doing. And so what happens is you end up with five or six players in midfield and it gets congested and it just becomes like Spain have been. It becomes this sterile possession. And as a, you know, the thing is, anyone that's watched a lot of Harry Kane, which I've, I've watched an awful lot of Harry Kane, he can look very stodgy when things aren't going for him. The way he's playing at the moment is like, the first three games of the post-pandemic interrupted season, whatever that was, nineteen <laughs> twenty, I suppose it was. And then he, the, the fourth game, he suddenly hit hit the ground running and, and off he went. I think he needs one goal and he'll be away. But I, th- I think the problem is, is that those England players are all liking to go into the same area. And that's why Saka was so, so effective was because he was doing something different. Mm. I've got to, Try and channel Maz for a minute because we know he is the more optimistic one on, on the whole podcast. And I suppose what we should say to give that line is that England did hit the post in pretty much every one of these games. And they haven't really looked like conceding at any point either. So there is perhaps a little bit more room for optimism insofar as the way they've been trying to play has been working for the most part. So maybe that's going to say maybe that's actually one reason for a little bit more optimism than we, we've got, come here. I think I think Jordan Pickford's been brilliant. Uh, yeah, he, yeah, he's he's, he's he's a big reason for optimism. He's, he's he's made important saves in all three games. Mm-hmm. Um, his his distribution been good. Yeah. He's, he's 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 tried to get a get them on the front foot. I think Maguire was was very good in terms of just trying to direct play forwards rather mm-hmm. than sideways. I think you know Mings was was I think Mings was excellent in the two games he played. But if there's one thing that he's not perhaps as, as strong uh, yeah. at, it's the you know, he's directing no, he, play forward. He, he's he, no Beckenbauer. Exactly. <laughs> no, <laughs> quite. Um, but, um, but but he, and, but he is the best organizer and, of the and lot. Stone, of 
and Stones has been, you know, quietly just getting on with with his business and touch wood to date has not made any um, serious errors, which I think is testament to, to his development over the last 12 months um, at City. So, it, you know, those things are all great. And, you know, we, we, we've not conceded in the tournament. That's that's big. You know, I, mm. I think yeah. there, there are teams who are who'll be thinking, well, who would you want to come up against? Well, you think you can get goals against Germany, you can get goals against Portugal, you can get goals against France and, yeah. and Belgium. How are you going to this get is, through England? This is the yeah, classic thing with England, to... though, if you think about it, just one more thing just before we go, is that if you look at the teams England have beaten in knockout stages over the past 30 years, you'd be hard-pushed to find a big name. It's like Paraguay, yeah. 1990 Belgium, Denmark, Ecuador, Colombia, <laughs> Colombia Sweden, you know, Belgium where they weren't very good, you know. So it's it's kind of um Cameroons in there. <laughs> exactly. So it's a bit like, yeah, when you play a big team in the second round, you don't tend to go through, yeah. but we'll see what happens. You give me a, a great way of kind of wrapping up the group because obviously our conquerors from the last World Cup who are not the biggest country in the world, but they're a big footballing nation since they've become an independent country. Uh Croatia were a fair bit better against Scotland and managed to get their passage through the, the first round. But do we think they will be really threatening to progress beyond the second round at all? Who's they drawing? Ever... Spain, they'll be playing, I believe. I don't think oh, you can, Spain and Rubbish. You can ever count them out. Right. I don't think you can ever count them out. I mean, you know, Spain have just won 5 0, but they were, you know, Dubravka gave them three goals. It was, yeah. um, it's it, like was it was bizarre. It was a bizarre performance from Slovakia, and in a, in the third goal was good. I'll give them that. But it's the worst the rest Spain. Of them were... Yeah, it's the worst Spain team I've seen since about 1996. I think. <laughs> like I, mean, they... I would back Croatia against Spain, quite honestly. I think I would as well. If Croatia had a strike, you know, they just what they really needed was Mandzukic to be about three years younger. Because if he could still play, then the, uh, I, I, it's a bit like Germany. You know, Germany miss closer so much, and, and Croatia really, really miss Mandzukic. But yeah, I, that that one's anyone's really. I have a feeling that might be one that goes to pens because neither team are going to be threatening the scorers too much. I shouldn't think. I don't really have an awful lot to add on it because that was one where I was watching the Sweden and Poland game, which turned out to be pretty good. Poland pushed hard once they'd fallen behind and, and looked like they were going to you know, threaten to get something out of it that would maybe get them through. But obviously, once you are two down, even if you force your way back to two all, there's always a chance you're going to let the third one in. And uh, Sweden, I think, ended up being kind of worthy winners of the group because nobody else was able to put any kind of form together. I always, always love Forsberg as well. Like He's, a, he's, he's a, a, very, a very fun player to watch for Leipzig. So I was glad to see him score a couple of goals. I will say this, I think the Swedes were very poor defensively in that game. Uh, the the two goals they conceded, I mean, how Lewandowski scored from that, that first goal, it was, it was a great finish, but there were three men. The keeper was in the wrong place. The, t- the two defenders didn't really close him down. And he just slotted the ball in between them and stuck it. He didn't even put it in the corner. And then for the second goal, they've left, what, the top scorer in in the five top leagues in Europe, completely unmarked next to the penalty spot. I mean, yeah. that, that doesn't bode particularly well. But how's he missed those two headers? It was like mm. crossbar, crossbar. Like, what was going on there? You just, you'd back him to score that 100 times out of 100. I mean, you, you feel sorry for Lewandowski because it's the classic thing with 
a smaller, well, not Poland's not a small country, obviously, but a, a smaller footballing nation having one absolutely top world class player and them expecting him to, to drag them through. And it's always a little bit, you know, it's always a little bit sad to see because, you know, you just think, all right, can he elevate them? Can he elevate them? But they just didn't quite, they just didn't quite have enough. Like the Slovakia game, the first game they played, they were asleep for for an hour. That was the real missed opportunity because they were, you know, talent-wise, much the better team. And they basically... That red card changed it, didn't it? Yeah. But they they slept work for the first half as well. They Mm. brought it back to 1-1. They got the red card. And it all went wrong, and and it's a shame because I mean, I mean, having said that, Lewandowski, you wouldn't back against him probably playing until he was forty because he's one of the fittest players in world football. But it's a bit of a shame that they, you know, they just can't seem to get out of those group stages. I did see that he has more than twice as many goals for Poland as the rest of the squad combined, which tells you all you need to know really about. It. Just what their setup is and how reliant on him they are. It wasn't the most thrilling group. I mean, there were a few moments here and there. I think Spain's underperformance, Slovakia's utter collapse at the end. I mean, these things really stopped it being a particularly interesting group. Uh, it's what I was looking forward to beforehand because I thought it'd be chaos and it ended up being a bit of a damp squib, which was disappointing. But a group that, if anything, exceeded expectations was probably Group A. And that finished up with uh, Italy beating Wales 1-0, I think was a creditable performance for the Welsh. And then Switzerland compounded an awful showing at this tournament for Turkey, who just completely underperformed everybody's expectations. Shakiri, like, it doesn't matter what he does in club football, does it? When he pulls on the Swiss shirt, he's just going to score outrageous goals. Although, sadly, this time without the shirt off and the uh, Albanian eagle, which was my probably my highlight of the last World Cup, to be honest, was that game against Serbia when he like trolled all the Serbians by doing double headed eagle celebrations. Um but I mean when Shakiri hits it, it doesn't half stay hit, does it? What a what a striker of a football. And you, you do wonder actually if Shakiri had been fit through that disastrous Liverpool season, I don't know, maybe he would have given them that that little something different when they were struggling. But yeah, always always fun to see him play. Um, who, who is it they've drawn? Is it France? Yeah, it is. Yeah, um, that, you'd be surprised to see them pull it off. But actually, you know, I, I don't think. I mean, looking at the, looking at who's gone through, I, I don't think anyone has got got gone through who couldn't do something. You know, I, I wouldn't expect Switzerland to beat France, but France on a bad day, Switzerland on a good day, they could do it. They've got, they have got some players, haven't they? And if you look at their recent form, like they're one of the form teams in Europe. Like they don't lose often. You know, they're not, they don't score the most goals, but they don't, they don't seem to concede any either. Often to keep them more, obviously. I mean, Turkey <laughs> have been probably the biggest disappointment of the tournament, haven't they? Um, in terms of, well, results and the way they played. They've just, they've just not been at the races and, they woke up at one stage against Wales, but you know, Wales deserved to win that game. Mm. Italy have been have blown everyone away in that group. Wales have probably got closest to them, but even then, you didn't think for a second that Italy were were in trouble against them. Yeah, they played their second team, didn't they? They played all their. They made eight changes, I think, against Wales. 
Ampadu gets sent off, stupid challenge. And Italy were very, very comfortable. Um, Verratti was excellent. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is um, that he's, you know, the fact that, that Locatelli is one of the players of the tournament and then they bring in Verratti, who started the tournament with a few injury concerns, and then he plays like that. And now Mancini has got, got a problem, the, the, the greatest of all headaches because Locatelli was absolutely sensational. And now Verratti has just put in a brilliant performance as well. So it's uh, it's a good problem to have, though. I think mm. it's Italy are obviously they've been the best side so far, oh, but no it's very rare. It's very rare that a team goes from one end of the tournament to the other to play for a whole month um, without slipping up somewhere. And if you want to slip up during a knockout tournament, it's during the group group stage and not in the knockouts. So it's gonna it's gonna be quite interesting to see how they go from here because. There are some teams who haven't warmed up yet. I'd, I'd love to see Italy versus Belgium. I think that'd be a lot of fun. Great momentum. Um, so who have Italy yeah. got second round? Italy second round will be playing Austria. I mean, that's, yeah, so that's 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 straightforward. And then Belgium or Portugal in the quarters, is that right? That sounds right. Yeah, I don't quite know exactly what happens in the other half of the draw from England once you go beyond the, the next round, but it certainly sounds plausible. We can have a look at that in a bit more detail once we've wrapped up the uh, rest of these group games, if you like. I mean, I don't know quite what was going on for a lot of the Group B, but it ended up... It took a lot, a weird route to get there, but Group B ended up almost kind of predictably with uh, Belgium top, Denmark second, Finland just missing out on uh, second round for the first time in, in history, and then Russia propping up the table. But what a showing by Denmark to come back from, you know, that awful first match for them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's quite interesting as well because because it sounded like Russia. I, didn't, I mean, funny enough, I was watching the other game, but it sounded like Russia were really quite good in the first half, and then you know Denmark just went on an absolute wave of momentum. And um, I mean, when you got Christensen coming forward from centre half and belting in a twenty-five yards, you probably know your luck's in, don't you? But but yeah, I mean. It's, Belgium's an interesting one, though, because they were absolutely horrendous against Denmark. And then De Bruyne comes off the bench and turns the game for them. And then, you know, they get a, they got an easy first game against Russia. You know, they get... They made fairly hard work of. They made really hard work of, yeah. I mean, so, so, so it, it's like Denmark really exposed them, really exposed Vertonghen in particular, who not only has aged, you know, 10 years in one year, but also has an ankle injury. And so they, the last game, they bring in Vermaelen, who I didn't even know was still playing football, and <laughs> and uh, Boyata, who everyone will know from Celtic. And they looked a lot better with Boyata, uh, Vermaelen and Denier than they did with all the Weirald, Vertonghen and Denier. Uh, I wonder if they end up keeping that back three, because I don't know. I mean, like I say, as a Spurs fan, I got to watch this in real time, but man, Vatonga and Eldorado didn't half get old quickly. I, I, I think they are the most dangerous team in this tournament, but they're also one of the most inconsistent. And I, I, that, I mean, that's why I'm really interested to see them up against Italy, who have been the most consistent team, just to see if that consistency against Belgium's brilliance at times will how that sort of matches up um, i think everyone's inconsistent that's the problem apart from, yeah apart, apart from italy and england you know, 
everyone else is just England have been very consistent. Consistently boring, yeah. But every, everyone else has been, yeah, quite inconsistent. And I, I think the thing with Belgium is, like, obviously, De Bruyne coming in and playing like that against against Denmark, like, is huge for them. Because if he then goes on and plays like that, there was one moment as well in the last group game where Hazard looked like Hazard. You know, like Chelsea Hazard. And there was one moment, he's a little shimmy and he left someone for dead and he shot uh, and he got saved. But it looked like Aiden Hazard. And... I don't know if he rediscovers himself. I think everybody's in in a lot of trouble. But Lukaku's been watched, fantastic as well. Yeah, he was he was brilliant once they moved him out to the wing um, against Denmark. Simon Kier was was all over him. Yeah, um, but but I mean, they, but the, the point is they found a way. They tweaked it. They switched things round. They brought De Bruyne on. They brought Hazard on, and 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 sorted it out. Uh, one last thing. Just, I mean, just on Denmark, I, I, they're, they're not sort of on paper the strongest team, are they? But I think given what's happened to them in this tournament and the fact they've managed to hang in there and then put in some performances, that will give them so much in terms of momentum and, and belief. And they will all be playing for each other and they will all be playing for Christian Eriksen. And I think that's actually quite a powerful thing in a tournament like this when, you know, there's inconsistency everywhere. Yeah, they, and they'll look at the draw, that side of the draw where, you know, Wales, Denmark, Holland, Germany, England, is it Sweden and Ukraine, the other teams in that half? Like, everyone will be looking at that half of the draw and thinking, do you know what? We can go deep here. So I wouldn't be shocked to see them reach the semis, if I'm honest. But the thing about Denmark that people underestimate is that, yes, Ericsson's their best player, but actually they've got, got some good players. They've got some really good players, Delaney. Hoiberg, that's a great midfield straight away. You know, Kiev's been fantastic in in Spain for, for years and years. Casper Michael's one of the better goalkeepers at the tournament. And actually, those young strikers they've got, so not just Paulson, who is a lot of fun for Leipzig uh, regularly, but the two young lads who play for Italian sides have both looked absolutely brilliant. <laughs> like, gave... I mean, again, gave those Belgium, ageing Belgium centre-halves absolute hell. So, yeah, you, you definitely should not underestimate that Denmark team. Mm. I mean, we tipped them to do quite well at the start of the tournament. And once normal service is kind of resumed, they have done quite well. So, yeah, be foolish to pivot too far off that now. Uh, just to wrap this up, then, the, the last group that we have to discuss is Group C. The Netherlands made it three wins out of three with a comprehensive... 3-0 win over North Macedonia, goals from Memphis Depay and Wijnaldum. And then having disappointed in the previous game, Austria came back with a very professional performance against Ukraine. And in the end, Ukraine were kind of lucky to actually make it into the, the knockout stages. And Ukraine only got through by virtue of Slovakia, just having a complete meltdown. So I think they've got Sweden, haven't they? I think that's anybody's game, though, to be fair. Well, yeah, quite. I mean, it, you know, Sweden haven't been brilliant, and you, you know, Ukraine have been. Again, they've both got sort of some decent players here and there, and um, so yeah. Is it, whose flair players turn up, right? So yeah. If Isaac turns up for Sweden, do you, you'd back them. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or, or if um, you know, if Yarmolenko, oh. 
you know, turns up for Ukraine, that they're very good. Ukraine, like, I believe the Ukrainians, like, they were, you know, what, five or ten minutes away from a, a, a crazy comeback against Holland. If, if Holland don't score that third goal, then I, th- I think that the whole group goes differently because, you know, that, that was a, a crazy game where they were 2-0 down, dead and buried, came back to 2-2. And then somehow ends up losing 3-2. And then the Dutch have obviously gone on from there and got a couple of really good wins. But if that ends up 2-2 or 3-3, it's, it's quite a different group. I think the Dutch have been... They've been fun, haven't they? They've oh, Massively, they, yeah. Right. And, and, and it's good to see, because I think often you, the Dutch turn up, when they get to tournaments, that is, because they, they struggle to, to even qualify for tournaments in recent years. But when they get to tournaments, you are often sort of flatter to deceive. They often sort of struggle to get going. And you think with all the talent they often bring to tournaments, you'd think they, they would actually go somewhere. And then 2010, they actually got to the final, didn't they? The World Cup final. That's pretty much the only time they've... they've 74, really... 78, 88 and that, yeah. And then, so yeah, I mean, 22 years without reaching a final. And now we're 11 years on from that. And they, they've only, I think they've already qualified for... A, two tournaments since then so it's um it's good to see it's well documented they've got a lot of good young players playing in playing for high profile clubs in in the and they're they're starting and so it's good to see them actually bringing something and and entertaining and you know at some point you think they're going to get ripped apart by someone and we're going to have a lot of fun along the way the the under it's going up on the under nines team. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's right. great. It's great though because you, you you watch them bombing forward and and, and you know the the fullbacks and D- Dumfries isn't he isn't he great? It is the tournament of the fullback, I think. It, the, you know, I, I think it's it's interesting because like the whole Dutch public don't want them to play wing backs. They want them to play four three three. There's always protest banners up saying four three three. <laughs> and De Boer's just not listened, but it, it it's just as attacking in its own way. But I just yeah. I love the fact that no Dutch person can live with the idea of, of not playing four three three. Well, that's what happens when a system is so ingrained in your national consciousness, isn't it? Uh, to wrap this up, then I'm going to do something a little bit different. So to keep it this short, so it doesn't become a whole extra podcast in itself, we're going to run through the round of sixteen games. I just want just the team know who advances. Okay, so here we go: Belgium, Portugal. Belgium. Belgium, based on what I've seen, yeah. Okay. Italy, Austria. Italy. Yeah, Italy, yeah. France, Switzerland. France, but I think it'll be closer than people expect. I mean, France, like England, they're in everything 1 0 at the moment. So, yeah, France. Croatia, Spain. Ooh. I'm going to say Croatia. Just to be different, I'm going to say Spain in extra time. All right, well, that means I've got to give the tiebreaker then. I'm going to be, yeah, I'll go, I'll go Croatia. It's not going to be a thrill uh, of that one, let's be fair. No, so that would actually give us semi-finals of Belgium, Italy and France, Croatia. Sorry, not not semi-finals, what am I talking about? Quarter-finals. Uh, then the other half of the draw, Sweden, Ukraine. Sweden. Probably Sweden, but I wouldn't be surprised either way. England, Germany. Germany. <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs> England is coming home. Yeah, Maz isn't here. You better do that one. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, God. If you, if you say England, that puts me on the spot, doesn't it? Um, 
near Germany. Okay. Um, <laughs> Netherlands, Czech Republic. Netherlands. Czech Republic. Although, again, yeah, the Czechs, the Czechs actually, apart from against England, where they seem to shit the bed, like, the Czechs were very good in their first two games. So, they, I think they are a decent outfit. I, I think the Netherlands get found out, but I don't think they get found out here. So I'd go for the Netherlands there. And and then the last of the round of 16, Wales-Denmark. Again, that's always... Probably I, feel Denmark. Like this is, I feel like this is the one that is most likely to go either way. D- does Bale turn up? Does Ramsey turn up? I think that basically probably decides the game. Well, yeah, but Bale often does for Wales. So, no, it's I, Denmark. Yeah, I'm going to say Denmark. Denmark. But it'll be close. It'll be well, close. So I mean, that that would would give us Sweden versus Germany, and the Netherlands versus Denmark. Ooh, so it's like, it's like the whole Baltic coast. Yeah. I won't uh, press you for further predictions at this stage as to who will win those theoretical quarterfinals. But there's some interesting games there. Uh, any final thoughts before we wrap this one up? It's been really fun so far. Like, I haven't been this into a tournament since I think probably probably O two. Yeah, it's it's been it's been it's been fun. I mean, even as an England fan, it's not been horrific yet. But there's been plenty of other stuff going on. There's there's teams that are willing to to have a go. I I'm still on the fence as to whether the format is is helping teams or going for it. But actually, that final round of fixtures. So yeah, it's it's, it's been a lot of fun so far. Yeah, it's a better group stage than, than 2016. I feel like team's been definitely less conservative than 2016, where that really did feel like the 2014 format certainly held the group stage down quite a lot. So I think this has been this has been better. It's been really refreshing to see, particularly the Dutch uh, and the Italians, but also you know, Germany in the Portugal game, like really let the hand break off and uh, and play some football so yeah looking forward to to the second round and and seeing if we can get some some real classics i think to me euro 2000 in terms of quality is always going to be the bar and i don't think we're we're, we're anywhere near there at the moment but uh let's see how the how the knockout stage goes really this is probably the most I've enjoyed one since 2008, which I had a, a great time watching for whatever reason. Um, possibly because England weren't England there. England weren't it there. It takes a lot of the yeah, thing off. But... 94 World Cup in 2008. <laughs> bliss. Absolute bliss, the pair of them. But it is so much better than 2016, which I, to be honest, I wasn't even watching by the time England went out of 2016. It was such a poor spectacle all round. So it's been so much better than that. And we will be back at some point during the second round to give you our thoughts on what's going on there. And hopefully we'll have a full compliment again for that one. But uh, until next time, thank you once again for listening and we'll see you again soon. (laughs) 